Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Good afternoon, Tim. It's good to be back with you. Oh, thank you very much, Eric. It's always fun talking to you. Like it. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited because today's topic is is a little bit different than I think anything we've ever talked about before, right? Yeah, I mean, you seemed like an artist, you know. Oh, uh, yes. You talk to me sometimes about all the artistic work you do around the house. So I think I thought I'd talk about art. Yeah, I, I don't know if Crayola is still a big medium <laughs> out there, but I'm working on it. Exactly. Well, <laughs> art is in the eyes of the beholder. That's what my mom always told me. So that's right. I'm sticking right. with that. That sounds good to me. <laughs> so we're talking about art today. All right. So, so what about art? I mean, well, I'll tell you what, why it recently came up. So okay. I have a client who now in the winter spends time in Arizona, which, mm-hmm. you know, is nice because it's warm. Yes. Um, and then in the summer, they're up in Petoskey, Michigan. So have you ever been to northern Michigan, Eric? I have not. Southern Michigan, yes, but northern Michigan, I'm, I hear it's kind of cold. <laughs> well, um, it, it is. It can be certainly in the winter. In fact, uh, when you're in northwest Indiana or southwest Michigan, a lot of people will go up near Petoskey to go skiing in the winter. There's oh, a couple okay. of um, really nice ski resorts. Nice. But in the summer, you would, if you're ever looking for a beautiful place to go and you don't want to go to like Maine or somewhere far like that, I, gu- I guarantee Petoskey, Michigan is would be on a bucket list because it's beautiful. You should oh, check well, it out. I will, absolutely. Yeah, so you could you could pass me because I'm in Valparaiso, Indiana. Keep on going through northern Michigan, and it's about four hours north. Um, you know when you when you cross the Michigan border along the lake, and and if you're driving back, uh, you can stop through Traverse City because we have an office there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But you don't have to stay in Traverse City because if you keep going a little bit west. Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore uh, is right there, and that really—that's the, the price of admission. I mean, it is that's amazing. Everyone should just check that out at some point. Really? So, enough being a tour guide, but this—that's why it all came up because I okay. was visiting a client in Northern Michigan, which is art in and of itself. All right. So when I was with the client, um, walking through the house, it was—they had an amazing art collection, um, and. It went back actually to her father uh, when he worked in New Mexico and he was just loved a couple of specific artists, started collecting. And when he passed, she inherited the, the collection and it was really large. Hmm. And so at the time, um, you know, it's like, well, where do you put everything, right? Uh, I don't know how much art you have around your house, Eric, but, um, you know, everything in, <laughs> around our house is. Irish, because that's my wife. She loves that stuff. But um, in this case, there was just this amazing Southwest art all around. So I just asked her, like, well, where did you get it? She gave me the history. Mm-hmm. And when she inherited it, she also ended up having to transfer some pieces to um, a university museum just because she got them appraised and they were super valuable. And she didn't feel comfortable having them in the house, but also she wanted to share them. Um, and there was a couple of museums that she approached, and finally one uh, wanted to take it. So 
the point is it's, it was pretty um, complicated uh, the, way, the way she did it, but um, she talked about some of the same things I want to talk about today, um, which is, you know, basically how do you protect or how do you ensure and, and how do you make sure that you don't lose value if you do have art. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I thought we cover. Okay, that sounds good. Now, now when you say that she, uh, you know, contacted university museums, was this a, a did she loan it to them so that they could put it on display and then it would be safe in their museum, or are we talking that she actually gifted it to them? Yeah, so that that was a whole different thing that I I learned about because as you're probably aware, just from reading and hearing and listening, a lot of universities are financially struggling, and there's many um, you know smaller universities that are now trying to figure out how do we reallocate resources to make sure that we're, everything's sustainable. And so mm-hmm. a couple of the universities she talked about where she, they have museums, you know, they thought uh, the, the answer that she, they got was, yeah, we'd love to have it, but we can't afford to maintain it. You know, are you willing to write a check for that too? <laughs> um, so she, she explored outright gifting of it. She explored loaning. Um, and in some, so each, each university, but she finally found a university that did want to take, um, the pieces and and most of them are loaned out. Yes. Um, Hmm. as opposed to gifted, but, uh, at her, when she passes, it will be an outright gift to the university museum. Oh, okay. Interesting. So that sounds really complicated. Like you said, it is. And then, you know, just briefly, I have a client who, uh, retired about three years ago and he always he was also a painter, so that wasn't the profession he was in. Um, but there would be fundraisers each year, and sure enough, he would uh, paint something uh, for auction, you know, to raise money for a local charity. And mm-hmm. so he retired, and just and recently, um, he opened up a gallery. So he he looked for about a year and a half. Uh, he found a place where he could open the gallery, and his passion is painting and you know his his own work, but he also wants to support other local artists, and so. Some of the things we were talking about today, um, you know, we kind of walked through a checklist with him too, just to make sure that whether you're you're opening a gallery like he is, or whether you're keeping artwork at your house like my other client does, you have some of the same risks and exposures, and you just want to make sure you're protected. So I thought, you know, it would probably be a good topic. It doesn't apply to everybody, but for the ones it does, I think it's very important. I, as I explored this uh, this topic, because then I, I like to do a little research when I get into it, um, you know, you'd be amazed at the types of art people collect, how they do it, why they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it, to some extent, like I'll just say, I'll tell you one thing I found when I researched that art as an investment class, and I'm or asset class, I should say, um, you know, where people just are doing it purely for investment. It's actually had a um, historically a really great return, and I'm not offering investment advice to do this. Um, so this that's specifically for my compliance department. Hmm. But what I'm saying is that um, I was amazed at how many people do it um, as an investment, uh, as as compared to like my clients who do it just because they're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you're doing it as an investment, you definitely want to um, follow some of these same things too. And then Eric, I don't know if you've ever heard. I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole, but are you familiar with NFTs, uh, non-fungible tokens? Okay, yeah. So I've heard about it, and when I did just the very little research that I did, it was very confusing. Like it's a digital picture that you can create, and I mean it could be a picture of anything. You could, I mean, yeah, it, it, they seem very strange to me. But 
they also it, I've seen that they sell for a lot of money sometimes. I'm like, I just don't get it. Yeah, it's um, I maybe my head my my brain is too old to get my head head wrapped around it. I have read a ton about it. I'm trying to figure that piece of it out of it, but it, it's becoming an important part of the art world, and that's the only reason why I mention it. And so that's probably going to be too much for this podcast to get into, but I'll say that I learned the most when I talked to my youngest son, Kevin. Uh, Kevin is a, he went to DePaul University, studied animation. He's an animator. So he's been animating uh, for a number of these NFTs, and he's becoming very knowledgeable about it. And hmm. a lot of the, the conversations I have about this was from him to try and figure out how it works. And I'm still not really sure, Eric, but maybe someday I'll just get Eric or Kevin uh, as a guest on here there to talk go. about non-fungible tokens. Or, But it is, it's a very important part of the art world. And in fact, there was a big piece of art that was sold through Christie's um, as an NFT. And I guess in general, what happens is you own a share or a piece of the art, but you never actually, you know, get physical ownership. You don't get it at your house or something, but you get to see it. And then you probably also get a share of the value of it too. So, hmm. I mean, but I won't go into that too much. I just thought I'd throw it out there because um, that's becoming an important part about it. Well, we can give so Kevin's and, contact information at the end of the show. <laughs> exactly. We can't do that. <laughs> no, we can't. We yeah. can't. But I'll just talk about a couple of key mistakes that I found uh, where when people are trying to insure and protect their art. Okay. So, ready? Yes. Number one, um, not having the right type of insurance policy, which seems, you know, like logical. But um, in part of our professional network, I work with a great um, high net worth insurance professional in Chicago. And one of the things that she told me, and she kind of helped me with, you know, with the research and the podcast was, um, it's super important to have the right type, the right coverage, um, you know, if you have an art collection. Oftentimes people have art, and, but they, they don't really know the true value of it, so that maybe they're not, they're not experienced collectors. You know, something becomes valuable and they don't really track it. Um, so in, but in general, homeowners policies completely exclude fine art, fine art apparently. Mm -hmm. and limit the coverage so if you have it you know you really have to work with a specialist um, insurance advisor uh, property and casualty insurance advisor because um, you, you typically apparently want to separate the fine art you want to identify it um, and you also want to just make sure that it's fully underwritten somebody comes out and values it etc uh, because if something goes wrong you know you're not going to get it and so she told me about a couple stories that you know where there was either uh, a client that didn't have true proof of ownership, right? I mean, so they bought a, a piece of art. Um, they didn't really keep the documentation in terms of where they paid for it and how much. And th you, they eventually got that information, but it took a long time and a lot of information to get it. So, you know, just even things like that, just document and make sure it's it's identified when you insure it. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's interesting because I was, didn't even remember this until you were just talking about it. I had friends of ours that they received a, it was a statue uh, or a carving, I guess, uh, from their father. And it was, he gave it to them. It was very, very valuable. They didn't realize quite how much. I mean, he kind of alluded to it, said, you know, make sure you have insurance and, and so on and so forth. And our friends thought that they had proper insurance on it. Um, it was in their home for a year and a half with three boys, three young boys running around there and everything. Luckily, nothing ever happened to it. But when the dad came for a visit, he said, 
wait a second. I mean, it was just sitting out, right? Like it could have been knocked yeah, over right. at any time kind of thing. He's like, uh, you haven't even had this, you know, evaluated or, or insured correctly. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Because anybody that comes in is going to tell you that you have to have it protected. It can't be sitting here necessarily. <laughs> it's got to yeah, have, right. you have to do something. And I don't know what that is. Again, I'm not an expert on this, but uh, he was pretty like flabbergasted that they just had it sitting out where the, you know, the boys could possibly knock it over and, and that would be it, you know, and that yeah, wouldn't be peanut insurance. butter and jelly on it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so they made some changes very quickly uh, and it was, they figured out, let's just give it back to dad until the boys are older, which they did. So he took it back uh, with him and, and just had it as his house protected and everything else. But yeah, it was a, it was a learning curve for them because they'd never had any art. I certainly don't. You asked, you know, my art taste, most of ours is hanging on the fridge uh, from the grandkids. So that's where, yeah, that's where my exactly. art hangs in our house. Yeah, no, us either. I mean, the only, we have some uh, bleak and Waterford, you know, from, from Ireland, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's worth, uh, going to be super valuable, but People do have it and don't realize it, and they don't really take care of it. So you need to insure it. Yep, absolutely. So mistake number two is, you know, I talked a little bit about it just a minute ago, but not properly, not properly doing record keeping. So you know, if your collection's small, you could certainly do it yourself. You know, where did you get it? Uh, And then periodically get an appraisal of it, things like that. And we talked a little bit about NFTs. I'm not going to get into that as one way to you know track it, but. Oftentimes, if you have a nice collection that's worth a lot, you you do what we talked about. What my client did, you know, you, you take some expensive pieces and you put them on loan to a museum or to a gallery, where they will do the tracking for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's oftentimes just a much safer, better way to do it. Um, you know, when you do that, you got to make sure when you trans, you know, transport it there, it's fully insured. But the point is, I think it's off. It's very hard unless you're a true art. Uh, collector and into it to really properly record keep for it. That's that's what I've learned. Um, so as much as you can, I would recommend you try and get someone to help you and do it with you and for you. And then number three mistake I've, I've seen and and I've been talking to Courtney, the insurance agent, about it is really not having an emergency plan. So you know I have clients in Florida where they have hurricanes. Um, you know we talk a little bit about you in Nebraska and you were saying that you've got some flood watches and severe storms coming through and mm-hmm. you know it just it happens everywhere but the the key is you want to have a um, an emergency plan so if you're for example on the coast of florida and you've got an art collection you know i have a client that has um, hurricane shutters you know that will come down um, as a protection he also has a, a plan where there's a secure location where he can take the the pieces if need be um, if hurricanes imminent, um, I've, you know, sometimes you can't really prevent, you can't like plan for fires and things like that, that can happen, but you can, you can protect the, the pieces from situations like that. So the point is you just need to have an emergency plan. Um, and if you have an emergency plan, actually your insurance cost will be a lot less mm-hmm. and the cost of record keeping and the cost of maintaining will be a lot, lot less too, because when you do insure these pieces, they're going to ask you what your plan is. So Number three would be make sure you have an emergency plan if something happens weather-wise, you know, things like that. Yeah, that's something I wouldn't have thought of, quite honestly. Um, you know, having a good storage facility, you know, whether it's outside of the home or having someplace in the home that you can put your art until something passes. That, yeah, that, I definitely would have thought of that. And number four is, you know, not, not doing the, – no, the four mistake is not doing long-term conservation. So 
I don't know, Eric, have you ever traveled to, let's say, um, Italy? Have you ever gone to Rome? We have not. That's on our bucket list, but we have not. So we we went years and years ago, and it's just amazing the amount of art. Uh, We, you know, we walked through um, the Sistine Chapel, you know, so there's an amazing amount of art just in the churches in Italy and Rome um, that's maintained inside, but there's also an amazing amount outside. And, you know, you can just see the natural breakdown and decay. And some of it, you know, the statues outside, there's so much of it that, you know, they probably do, they probably do have like a conservation plan, but it can't be as, as, as well or as mm-hmm. uh, diligent maybe as something inside. But, um, you know, you just need to have a plan. You know, we were, Nancy and I, um, years ago, we went to Napa Valley to, um, to tour the wineries and it was off season. We ended up at this Silverado winery which apparently uh, Walt Disney, uh, when he passed, he had all of his artwork from all of his travels, plus all the original artwork for all of his characters, you know, for the Disney movies, mm-hmm. in a big warehouse, apparently. This is what they told us in San Francisco somewhere. And then when his surviving spouse um, bought, basically bought this winery, Silverado, she moved it all up there um, in an attempt to preserve it and protect it. Um, but this gallery um, person giving us the tour was just saying that some of the pieces just because they were in San Francisco where the the weather's humid and foggy and it was you know wasn't that well protected they mm-hmm. lost some of it yeah um, you know certainly I don't have any art like that but the point is that you know you can under, you can imagine the concept that things degrade right weather uh, degrades things time degrades things so if you have something you just want to make sure that you you hire an expert, you bring somebody in, maybe a private collector, a gallery, a museum, who can help you make sure that you have a plan in place to protect that, that art, protect that investment with a long-term conservation plan. And then the final one, and this is one I've seen, um, and, and a little bit of talked about it previous with the example um, where my client inherited a lot of artwork, is not doing enough legacy planning. So the artwork, as we walked around and toured is, I mean, it's, it's amazing stuff. It's, it's Southwest. Um, and there was a couple of artists in particular that her father really liked and who, who actually became very, uh, relatively famous and the pieces became relatively, uh, high value. And so, um, there wasn't a lot of, you know, getting back to some conversations we've had Eric on these podcasts about, maybe some transparency, communication, what are these worth, you know, how are we protecting them? So legacy planning, not just like where do they go when I'm gone, but also what, where did I get them? You know, what are they worth? Why do I have them? You know, some of the, um, you know, the, the passion that, that her father had for these pieces. And, and he actually, the father did a really nice job through her life of, of helping her, but there was a lot of information that she didn't have um, that was surprising, and you know, like the value, the value of some of these pieces, um, and the, and then the realization that she couldn't really just protect them herself. Um, in hindsight, you know, it might have been better if he had had plans in advance, saying that in the event of um, my passing, you know, these are pieces you might want to do this or that, you know, sent to a library or sent to a museum, sent to a gallery, etc. So the point is that the common theme we talk about a lot with estate planning, you know, uh, wealth management, transition, transitioning wealth to the next generation and talking about it and 
communicating and having transparency about it, it's very applicable here. Because, you know, the story you told about, you know, the piece of art uh, with peanut butter and jelly on it, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure it's protected. And the only way you can really do that is if you do legacy planning to make sure that um, the next generation knows what it is, how you got it, what it's worth, et cetera. Yeah, and, and understands the responsibility, right? Because it, it bleeds into the you know preservation and conservation and emergency plan and all that because it's, that is a big responsibility that not maybe not every family member wants to take on. Eric, that's a really good point. It gets you know to the example I gave earlier where my client was approaching uh, museums about mm-hmm giving them pieces and their response was, yeah, we'll take them, but can you pay for it? Uh, not everyone has the ability or the means to care for, to take care for art. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really important that plans are in place uh, to, to account for that. Any other mistakes or are we closing this podcast today? No, those, those are the key ones that I found. So I did a lot of research as a result to, like I said, of my trip to beautiful Petoskey, Michigan. Um, but it, the good news I think is if you have good insurance, you have good record keeping or somebody who helps you with that, um, you have a good emergency plan and a conservation plan or somebody who can help you with that, you can take this tremendous art that you, you're passionate about and pass it on for future generations in great shape. And so yeah. the, those are the key takeaways uh, that I would leave people with is find a expert, uh, specialist, high net worth, uh, property and casualty agent. Um, they're not easy to find, but they're out there. And if anyone wants some recommendations, I'm glad to send them to them um, because they can really help you with the guidelines and the checklist to implement some of the things we talked about to avoid these mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great closing thoughts. Um, and and in, with that in mind, um, how do people reach out to you if they want those uh, recommendations or just to talk to you about you know what you've seen in your history? Sure. So I'm a managing partner at Hightower Great Lakes, and they could reach me at 219-531-4941. And we can schedule a time to call to talk. Uh, I could also offer a number of resources and people they can talk to, especially the uh, property and casualty agents. All right. Fantastic. Tim, again, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I got a little bit more insight into your, your, uh, your art style and your, you know, your travels. <laughs> so thanks. Exactly. You- All right. And of course, our last thank you is to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wall Stream Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealthstream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 
the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC.